Welcome to Real Black Consciousness Forum Podcast. This is Big VJ on the check-in. Family, I got to take you way back, right? I got to take you way, way, way back, right? I'm going to take you guys back to a conversation in which we used to have in the barbershops, on the block, on the stoops, on the porches and on the backyards of Westside Detroit. See, it was all about competition. See, being a product of America at a very early age, we, meaning the black community, we were introduced to competition at a very, very young age. By way of school, with comparing grades, also comparing test scores, and also out of school by way of sports. Competition is a big thing in the black community. Who's better than who? And typically this conversation always begins with sports figures. Is Boston Celtics the best team of all time, right? Is the LA Lakers the best team of all time, right? But those of us in that Midwest, we was like, yo, them bad boys, man. We the best of all time, baby. We talking about the 80s family. But outside of the sports arena, many of us that was in consciousness, right? We will always have the conversation about who was the greatest black man to ever walk on the top side of the wilderness of the North America. Who was the greatest original man, black man, that was the greatest freedom fighter, organizer, that we seen ever in the wilderness of North America? And when you have these conversations, unfortunately, right out the back, a lot of great men will be eliminated because we're talking about a conversation based on competition. So I don't want to bring up the names of those that was eliminated because I don't want to overlook anyone's legacy. Everybody's legacy is important. From the foot soldier all the way up to the general, everybody's contribution in our plight as black Americans in the wilderness of North America, it's all important. But when we talk about the greatest, it will always come down to four names. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad, peace be upon him. The Honorable Marcus Mosea Garvey, peace be upon him. The Honorable Malik El Hashabaz, a.k.a. Brother Malcolm, Detroit Red. His name would definitely come up. And last but not least... Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His name will also come up. The fabulous four, the greatest to ever do it. And, you know, during these conversations, you got to give credit where credit is due. Garvey out of Jamaica. Elijah out of Sandersville, Georgia. Malcolm. Out that Midwest, man. Powerful brother. King. 
Georgia product, right? You got to give credit where credit is due. So we thank those four men for their life, for their legacy, for their work that they did inside and outside the community. Because these figures was known outside of the wilderness of North America. We have to tip our hat off to Elijah. Because let me tell you something, family. Strong roots equal strong branches, right? And if the branches were strong, that means the root was very strong. Knowing that Elijah was the root, we had to look at his work through his branches. Malcolm is a branch of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Farrakhan is a branch. Muhammad Ali was a branch. Peace be upon all these men. Of course, we know that Ali was an entertainer in the form of boxing, right? But many of you guys forget that Ali, if I'm not mistaken now, I could be wrong. He was also a minister at Temple Number 12 in Philly, if I'm not mistaken. And last but not least, to the nations of gods and earths, Clarence 13X, more affectionately known as Father Allah, was a branch on Eliza's tree. So we see right off the bat that Elijah was a root with strong branches, and he definitely left his footprint in the wilderness of North America. Garvey with the UNIA, I mean. Malcolm taking the baton. Martin, civil rights movement. It's not fair to say who was the greatest of all time. It's not fair because their legacies, powerful legacies, family. You just can't. It's not fair. It's not fair. I mean, you can come up with a name, but it's just, it's just not fair, you know, because... We know Elijah still building more branches onto his legacy. Farrakhan is an extension of the branch. Khalid. Come on, man. Y'all know brother Khalid Abdul Muhammad was spitting. Come on. Nothing but fire, brother. Come on. Nothing but fire. Now, so I, I don't I don't want to give who was the greatest black man of all time as far as our plight. The most, I mean, it's. There's really no such thing, but this is just a hypothetical conversation. But not for nothing, family, I will say this. Because, again, in my estimate, it won't be fair to say who's the greatest black American leader to ever exist. But I will say this, right? Out of those four, I can hands down say that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he was the most tactical out the bunch. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was able to do something that Mr. Muhammad wasn't able to do. That Mr. X wasn't able to do. And Mr. Garvey, he wasn't able to do. Martin was light years above his time, family. As far as being tactical, general-like, military brain man he just he was able to do some things that I don't think that 
in my estimate, the black community will fully understand what King did because he was so many years ahead of his peers. It's just going to take a little while just to sit back and see it. And I didn't even see it myself at an early age. You know, when we saw talking about a revolutionary struggle, we never would put King in the argument because we felt like, oh, man, nobody want to sit in no white, you know, nobody want to sit at these counters with these folks. And we ain't got to use no bathroom with these folks, man. Let's have our own thing. Let's do our own thing. But, you know, King and his wisdom, he's seen it like, yo, if you're not next to these people, you're not going to even know how to run your own thing because. See, we didn't even we didn't even know the definition of manhood. As black Americans, we didn't we had to discover a definition because how could we know? There's only two ways to have a definition of manhood. When you're coming off that plantation family, either imitating the master. That's an example of manhood. Or listening at the words of your woman telling you what a man should do is going to be the example of manhood. So our ancestors coming out of plantation America, our first struggle as far as the man is concerned was even figuring out, well, what was a man? What what was a man? Is he a breadwinner? Is he a... We couldn't even figure that out. So a lot of our great leaders... Showing great charisma and great bravado, it was just trying to also figure out what was manhood. What is manhood when you're a black American? King took a different route. He didn't come with the bravado, he had charisma. See, what King did was he used the non-original man, he used his blueprint against him. This is what makes Dr. King more technical than any other leader. Because again, he used the European America scheme against himself. Do you follow me, family? Let me explain, right? Let me explain what King did. When you follow the history of the European when he went into India, when he went into West Africa, when he went into South Africa, when he came to the Americas, see, the European had a scheme of dividing the people and then conquering the people. You, you follow me? He would use one tribe against another tribe, one city against another city, one nation against another nation. And after he pit them against each other, he would drive his agenda down the center of the lane. This is how Europeans did throughout history. At least there's a thousand year recorded history of this activity. So when we learn about Dr. King in the black community, we hear about the I have a dream speech. Right. We hear about the civil rights movement, the bus boycotts. We hear that, you know, his father was a Christian preacher. He was a Christian preacher. We understand that through his legacy that he received um, a federal recognized day, right? Also, through the United States postal system, he received a stamp. 
if I'm not mistaken, he's the only leader, um, black American leader for sure, that not only do he have a postage stamp in the United States, in his country, his nation, India also have Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on their postage stamp. Because he was following one of their own in Gandhi. And they loved and respected King so much in the country of India that they put his face on the postage stamp as well. He's the only black person I think ever. Let's take out the black American. He's the only black person ever that the federal government recognized through their postal services through two nations. India and the United States. That's powerful. Now we know that, but see what King was really masterful at is that he had an agenda that he wanted black Americans to fall under in order to reach a certain goal, in order to reach certain rights, in order to receive certain privileges from European Americans. And how did he go about by doing that? He pitted the European American against each other for the agenda of his people. But everybody overlooks that. See, King understood that there were three branches of the federal government, judicial, legislative, executive. And then he also noticed that there was the federal government and then there was the state government. And every time King made a massive move, he did so by pitting one entity against another. I can recall how he segregated when he um, the school system was segregated and he wanted to desegregate the school system. So in order for him to do that, to allow our children to go to schools and integrate them because he understood that the funding would never be appropriate. It just come on. It's not appropriate now. He's seen that back then. So his back door was if I can get black children in the school with white children. Then I don't have to worry about the funding of the school because they're going to fund their own school. They're going to fund their own children's school. I just have to sneak my kids in there with them so I don't have to worry about if my fund is going to be appropriate. This was the so in order for him to do that, what he did was he pitted the state governor against the federal governor. He pitted the two against each other. He would pit the judicial branch. Against the executive branch Well you said that This is your law right You said that this is the law Okay well You guys said you're going to enforce the law And these guys said they're not going to listen to your law What you going to do And as his genius would go into play He would sit back and watch them <laughs> King was a genius man King was a genius I know sometimes in consciousness We try to minimize what he did But listen We love Elijah Elijah created a nation for his people, the nation of Islam. It's a real thing now. The fruit of Islam, it's a real thing now. Garvey, also as a reformist, wanted to take us back to Africa. Hey, he was doing a real thing. You and I, he was doing a real thing. Malcolm, doing a real thing. But those movements, no matter how much momentum they got, Everything was going to have to be strong-willed with our people and our people alone. 
But King and his wisdom and his knowledge and his understanding, he was able to get some of his agenda done by simply pitting European Americans against each other. No other leader was smart enough to do that. In fact, if you notice this, when Dr. King, when his holiday or his birthday being recognized as a federal holiday, when it was brought before the senator, the senator that gave it the most slack was a senator that was a former military member. His name was John McCain. Because you know why? John knew militarily what King was doing. And before King passed away, he had a, listen to me, he had a, he started to do the Poor People's March. What is the Poor People's March? It didn't necessarily include the original man. We was already poor. We come off the plantations. We were brought here to be poor. He was going to pit poor whites. <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me. This is what, listen to me. Listen to me, family. King was going to pit poor European Americans against middle class and rich European Americans. And in that pitting of a, we would have been able to pick up some of the scraps at the pitting. That's when King, he had to go. As long as he doing these civil rights movements and marches and it just, you know, they can just sit and watch us and throw stones and hit our people in the head. And it's not a big deal. But when you start including different strategies and techniques to pit them against each other. Now that's a different thing. Now that's a different thing. When you could turn the federal government against the Ku Klux Klan. Now that's a different thing now. <laughs> that's a different thing now. <laughs> that takes a that takes strategy beyond measure, family. You know, I just listen to me. Family, listen, family, just listen now. We could always have conversations about who was the greatest leader out of the wilderness of North America. We can always have that conversation. Who was the greatest leader out of the wilderness of North America? We can always have that conversation. But when it comes to who was the greatest leader out of the wilderness of North America that was the most military-minded and the most tactical to use the divide and conquer strategy as a minority against the majority population nobody done it but king and that is something to consider family peace and black power family thank you guys so much for listening real black consciousness forum podcast man big vj just checking in with the family right Drop a comment, like the video, share the video, join the conversation. Until next time, this is Big VJ, man. I get it with you guys later. Peace.